Welcome to the One of a Kind podcast, the show where we explore the stories we tell ourselves and the moments that got us here. I'm Nisi Duran, and I hope today's conversation gives you something to smile about. Welcome to the sixth episode of the One of a Kind podcast. Today's guest is Hamsa Mahendranathan. Hamsa is a second generation Sri Lankan Tamil who grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and in Seoul, South Korea. She's a daughter, granddaughter, sister, niece, and an auntie many times over. We attended Columbia Law School together in New York City, and she has spent the last eight years at a mid-sized law firm predominantly representing whistleblowers. She currently lives in Jersey City with her two dogs and her spouse, Alex, who is a public school teacher, and she's super proud of him. We had this conversation on Valentine's Day, and at the very end, Hamsa shares her recipe for a delicious chocolate soup. We discuss our shared immigrant family experiences, the realization that adulthood is a scam, her reasons for not having children, and how to break free from the fat phobia in our society. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with my hamster, who is beautiful inside and out. So you called yourself a family immigrants and a softie. So you think you're a softie. What does that mean? It's actually very confusing for me to talk about because I'm actually really bad about feeling my own feelings. Like I don't Mm -hmm. really understand how I feel when I'm sad. I don't know. But I like project what I think other people are feeling. And I'm worried that like, I'm worried people are sad when they're not sad. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I also like come away from interactions with people where I'm like, oh, I think I hurt their feelings. And then I'll ask them later and like, maybe they're lying to me, but they're often like, I don't even remember you said that. Why do you think that is? I know I'm a people pleaser. My mom is a people pleaser. And I think I learned this as like a safety mechanism from her of like how to navigate situations. And for her, she's probably always this way. But I think especially as an immigrant, She's really good at reading people. She's very empathetic. And I think those were tools that she used to like have people help her and get by and like feel safe um, with like moving to a new country and not knowing anything, not speaking the language. When did she move here? How old was she? She was, she's probably 28. She was an adult. Yeah. She's an adult. Yeah. So she lived in, she was born in Sri Lanka. She lived in Sri Lanka. My dad had already moved here and then like came home because his parents were like, they were all like, we're going to find you a bride. And so it was like an arranged marriage. They met in Sri Lanka, but my, my father was living here. So my mom got married in Sri Lanka and lived apart from my father for a little bit, I think, and then moved to America to meet him. She came here and like, I think her language skills were not as strong as my father's and like they were like a team. The way she made friends was like helping people, doing favors, and then like being very empathetic, being really understanding of when they might be upset and, you know, navigating all that. Yeah. I can't. Can you imagine doing that? I I can. Really bad. I'd be so tired all the time. The energy it would take to go buy like milk or, you know, just like figuring out the grocery store. Do you ever talk to your parents about like what it was like? before you guys were able to help them? Oh, no, that is a great question that I should ask. 
I'm not as empathetic as you. No, you are. You are. I haven't asked him that question. That's a great question that I do want to ask them. I think um, my dad came when he was also like 28 after he married my mom. Mm -hmm. And it was hard for him. You're supposed to be the provider of the family and be strong and not need anyone's help. So he did a bunch of different types of jobs. And I think what was hard was he had to find jobs where he didn't need to speak English, right? So it was like a mechanic part-time, this part-time, XYZ part-time, anything that would offer. And then when he finally was able to become a garbage man that had like benefits, like it was really, really hard, but he had like set schedule. And so he was like, I I won the lottery, right? Um, And my mom moved here, I think when she was in high school. But the problem with her situation was her parents were very involved in a very part in a very specific church where they did not encourage slash allow people to speak English. And they literally were like, English is the language of the devil. Don't learn it. <laughs> You're like, okay. true, true. I mean, <laughs> who can refute that? <laughs> and so she didn't, she didn't learn. As soon as I got even a little bit older, we were helping with phone calls and, yeah. and that sort of thing. It's really interesting to me that that um, church existed in the U.S. I mean, I guess it's a border totally. town, but, but um, I wonder why, like what prompted that? I mean, I have very mixed feeling or very complicated feelings about organized religion. Like I've seen like the beautiful side of it when people have lost a loved one, especially when it's you know, unforeseen and that sort of thing. And I can see the community rallying and uplifting that person with a lot of love and support. But I've also seen from my mom's experience, just wanting to have power over folks and having these rules to control people. Um, And so for me, the the skeptic, the negative side is like, it's a, it's a version of control, right? If we can get these people to not assimilate, then we can keep them in this church and we can keep Mm -hmm. them convinced of whatever it is that we're praising and and eventually they left that church you know say again they'll need this community they'll need this community and i'm just so against that like i think for me i don't know i've really i I don't know when i became this way but what's that expression of if you love something let it go something like that right i'm very much that way like i never want to hold on too tight to anyone um part is probably i'm insecure too but (laughs) but it's also just like i don't know i just think like let people be free, let people do what they want and yeah. love them and be excited for them. I think that's right. I think it's hard to like, sometimes I feel like it's easier for me to say that because like I, it's funny, like I want people to be free, but then like, if you don't want to come, like, you know, when I have my cousins, if we like have an event, you don't want to come. I'm like, why though? I want you to be free, but, like, why be free, but always come hang out with me. Like, don't you prioritize things with me? (laughs) Do you have a lot of cousins? I have a lot of like actual biological and oh, that's right. And And then then you have pretend cousins. A lot of my fake cousins. Um, Yeah, and I feel very grateful. I actually, Sylvia, just had a little bit of an existential crisis the other day. Tell me. Yeah. So. one of Alex's friends is going through something very, very difficult. And um, it was very confusing to me because I was like, who's going to go be there? Alex had COVID, so we couldn't go be with his friend. And I was like, who's, where is his crew? Who's going to go visit him? Who's going to stay with him? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to go through this by himself. And Alex was like, he doesn't really have anyone like that. 
Oh, and I was like, yeah, I'll raise my hand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, he doesn't have like a whole slew of fake and real cousins who will like call each other and say like, oh. who's going to fly in or who's going to drive oh. in or who's going to call them today. You know, it really uh, like shook my understanding, yeah. you know, in the sense that it was like, oh, it's not, I know that there are people who don't have community. I, I knew that. And yet I couldn't believe I actually knew somebody who didn't have a strong family network, you know, family and not family network. I mean, he does, he has, he has people, but um, it made me realize that like, I'm really lucky yeah. to have these people. Yes. And um, I also was thinking about how like Alex and I don't have children. We're kind of thinking we're not going to have children. Mm -hmm. And I was like, am I like buying into like Western individualism <laughs> and like my niece and nephew are, maybe won't have that huge crew of people to look out for them because not just me, but so many people my age don't want to have children. Um, and then my friend talked me out of that. She's like, you're going to be a better auntie. Like you won't, you can have 110% anti energy. Um, yeah, yeah. And maybe that's what you're good at. And that's what you want to do. And you don't have to have kids if you're not sure if you want to have kids. And so that was really helpful. But it really shook me. I called like two people who I also know don't want to have children. I was like, yeah. explain to me how, <laughs> how we do this. <laughs> Are you comfortable talking about this? I'm just yeah. curious. Yeah. Um, Cause I agree with you. There's, I think a lot of people of our generation are opting out and yeah. I have a friend who feels pretty strongly that she's not going to have kids. Yeah. And then I had another friend who felt very strongly and then suddenly has two kids. Right. So, yeah. um, but I think what I always tell people is don't let anyone pressure you, even yeah. you, your parents who love you and that you love them back yeah. because it's really hard. Like I love being a mom. I think I was born to be a mom. Like that's like yeah. my primary goal in life. Yeah. Um, but it's hard and it's forever. And so yeah. I think, so I think that's great that your friend gave you that advice, but I'm just curious, like, is there a common theme around specifically with you and your friends of why you don't think you want to have children? For me, it's a matter of like, I cannot fathom having the capacity. I'm like, I, I, t I recently decided that I'm a chaos monster. Like there's, um, this what does that mean? <laughs> yes. Let me make a visual for you. There's a character in Charlie Brown, um, and I can't remember what his name is, but he's like a little boy with like dust clouds around him. Oh, the dirty one. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I love him. He's so cute, but I want to give him so back. He's so cute and sweet. <laughs> I know. So I feel like that's my energy is like those okay. dust clouds around me. Like I'm a chaotic person that I'm like constantly trying to rein myself in and like to, I want to be a good like coworker. I want to be a good room. I'm like not the best roommate to Alex, but I want to be better, <laughs> better roommate and friend and partner to Alex. And I want to be a good daughter and I want to be a good granddaughter. Yeah. And I'm constantly like reigning in my chaos and I want to be a good sister and good cousin. I'm reigning in my chaos so that I can be all these things and be all these people to, to the people I care about. And I just can't fathom like stretching that further. And I think, and having kids, it's like, it's a, like a lot of stretching, right? Like, yes. and also I think part of it is because I don't like asking for help. And I just yeah. know I would need a lot of help. So much help. One question, because you mentioned all these things you want to be, what about for yourself? Like, what do you want to be for yourself? So bad at that, Sylvia. I'm really hard at understanding what my needs are. 
And like, because I don't know what my needs are, I can't really set boundaries because I don't know what boundaries I need. Do you feel like you've made progress on actually knowing what your needs are? Because even right now saying, I don't know if I have the capacity to stretch even more and, you know, be a mother. That's like a version of you sort of understanding who you are, right? Totally. I think I'm afraid of adding to my plate. Yeah. So that's sort of understanding my boundaries. But in real life, when people ask me to do something, I'm just like, oh, me? You think I'm (laughs) valuable and could help? Sure. Or in my life, but okay. (laughs) Oh my God. It's funny because I'm going to say something that David has said in private. I don't think he'd mind me saying it here. Um, He's always surprised when people don't want to have kids because biologically he's like, everybody that's here right now is because so many ancestors decided to continue the bloodline. And like, we are now deciding to just say, bye. (laughs) Like, that's it. When you look at it that way, I think it's, it's shocking to him. So, you know. No, but it's so right. And, um, I think part of it is like not really appreciating my culture and my ancestors, which is something I'm working on because, um, I, I watched, there's this snippet on Instagram, which is how I get all my news and information. Totally. Um, actually, I deleted it from my phone. So now I have no news and information. Really I delete it multiple times a week. Just so yeah. you know, yeah. I'm like, and I've been on it too much. Delete. And then I'm like, wait, I don't know what's going on. Yes. Yes. Um, but there's a snippet of a documentary. It's Canadian. It's about somebody who's like indigenous first nations. And she, um, it's like the snippet was beautiful. It was her with her baby, like it's her family. And she was like, you know, to me, someone who um, like my people are victims of genocide mm-hmm. and like um, assimil- like the forced assimilation into like dominant culture is also a part of gen- genocide, right? And um, she's like, for me, it's like an act of rebellion to have a child, to have children and raise them in our culture and carry on our traditions. And that was so really like, you. It's so powerful. And I was like, wow, I don't feel that way at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> which is okay. Which is okay. Yeah, but it's kind of messed up because the Tamil people in Sri Lanka, especially where my parents are from, like they were, the government disappeared a lot of people and there was a civil mm. war for many years. I'm like still struggling to connect with that deeply as like an experience that you know, it's close to me. It's close to my like very recent ancestors, right? Like it's close to my mom lived through the riots in the early oh my 80s goodness. Sri Lanka. My grandparents did. And, um, you know, I remember the last time I visited my family in Sri Lanka, we met a woman, like my aunt's really close friend who came to visit and she kept showing us a picture of her husband that she had in her wallet. And I, my thumb was like, not good enough to understand. And I was like, wow, you were really obsessed with your spouse. <laughs> And my aunt was like, after she left, was like, oh, he's like been disappeared for a really long time. Oh, and she hasn't seen him. No. And she, yeah. And so it's so close to me. And I don't feel close to it in the sense that like, I don't feel like a strong tie to like that culture. I think I spent my whole, like through my early twenties trying to fit in and trying to assimilate here. And I'm only now realizing there's so much value in my culture and I'm trying to learn it now. Um, but I think maybe it would have been different if I had grown up feeling that strong connection to my culture and my ancestor and would want to have continued that. Um, but, you know, that lineage. 
Yeah, but I don't feel that. Also, like Alex is of a different lineage and I love his traditions and his family, but he's also like, I don't feel the need to like make sure that (laughs) all my descendants are lighting the menorah, (laughs) you know, having Seder. Um, So I think both of us, I think, don't, you know, feel like You're aligned. You're aligned, you know? Yeah. The problem is when you're not. Yeah, Yeah. you're very lucky. That's that's wonderful. The other thing that comes to mind too, when you were saying, you know, you want to be a good daughter, granddaughter, cousin, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, I was reading a book. I can't remember which one, but it was a story about um, a mom and she had multiple kids and she said that she felt fictional book. She felt like a blanket that was too small, meaning Uh. like you want to be this like big blanket and cover everyone and like be cozy and be there for them and take care of them. And having one, you can't do it. Having more than one is like impossible, uh, at least at the same time. Right. And so I remember talking to my therapist about that and being like, I'm so devastated. I'm like a blanket. That's too small. She was like, that's a good thing. She was like, you don't want to be this like big cozy blanket that covers your children and protects mm-hmm. them from everything. You can't, yeah. and it's not good for them, you know? Yeah. So, but I think like, it's a little bit different from what you were saying, right? Where, cause you're not saying that you want to take care of everyone's problems. You just want to show up in a way that's like great. But I think even without adding children, my guess is you probably don't feel enough you know, even with the existing roles that you have, right? It's too hard. It's too hard. hard. Yeah. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm letting people down also because I have executive function issues, like, like with ADHD, like I'm not always prioritizing my time in the way that aligns with my values, just like unintentionally, Mm. because it's always like one emergency to another for me, um, which is something I'm working on, but that in itself makes me feel like I'm inadequately like the blanket is already inadequate. <laughs> Cannot add more under the blanket. Oh, I love blankets. Side note. <laughs> <laughs> That's this one right here. Love that. I love blanket. <laughs> I have one from Pottery Barn that I really love, but I think it's being discontinued because yeah. I haven't been able to find that color anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone tries to take it from me, Hamsa. And I'm like, y'all need to back up. Jordan, Jordan and Leo and Lucy, my dog and David. <laughs> it sounds to me that you have identified one need at least, which is your blanket. And there's a boundary there. It's funny. David's always like, why aren't you sharing? And I'm like, it's my blanket. Like it's Fine. not even big enough for me. <laughs> like, yeah. Get your own. <laughs> I'm going to tell him I'm setting a boundary. Hamsa said. <laughs> yeah. You're identifying a need. Cut out. Yeah. Also, no blanket is big enough. I feel like even when I we buy like, what's it like, California King, King blankets, <laughs> and it's still not enough when other people try to share. No, because I want it like all on like cover my toes. Sometimes yeah. I want to be able to cover my head for a little bit and Ooh. then bring it down, Thanks. like stretch my arms. <laughs> I love blankets. It reminds yeah. me of a random story when when I was little, my youngest brother John. We weren't even that little. We I was like middle school, high school. He used to yeah. tuck me in at night. Oh, Every night funny. I'd call him and I'd be like, John, I want to go to bed. And he was like, I was like, wrap me like a burrito. And How he would like, he? we're all, he's two years younger than me. So if I was like a freshman in high school, he was like a seventh grader. Right. So we were, we were older, but he loved me so much. And then one day I did something really mean where I was like, haha, you do everything I say. And he was like, oh, 
I'm not doing this ever again. And then he never tucked me in again. Oh, <laughs> that's heartbreaking. It was oh. my own fault, but I was like, damn, John, you did get you like, <laughs> forgive me. Jeez. He oh. never did it again. He never did it again. Cause he was like, this is my boundary. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a sad story. Sylvia. It is a sad story. I'm going to call and be like, what the hell, John? <laughs> yeah. Um, have you told your ice cream story on the podcast? No. Can you tell it? <laughs> you just want me to be mean. <laughs> I just love this story so much. So the story that Jose loves to tell people mm-hmm. is that when we were little, so I have two younger brothers, Jose is the middle, John's the youngest, we're each a year apart, but I'm a lot smarter than them. And I always have been, you know, even like though we're only, <laughs> oh my cat. God, am I a cat? Yeah. Probably when I was a child, I was. And we would always, we lived in these apartments and it was up on a hill and this like ice cream truck used to like roll up and we would hear them coming up the hill. Do you know the music? How does it go? I don't remember. I don't remember either. (laughs) Something, right? And we'd like all run, all the kids would run. And my parents would always buy us our ice cream. They're so nice to us. And then I would always tell my brothers, hey, we should race. I bet I could finish my ice cream before you. And then I'd be like, dummies, right in my head. Because yeah. they'd fall for it every time. So they'd like be like, no, I can beat you. And they'd eat it all quickly. And then I would pretend to be going fast. And I'd be like, oh, you guys are so fast. <laughs> their ice cream would be gone. And no. I'd be like, mm, look who still has ice cream. Oh, I feel so sad yeah. for you. <laughs> and they would cry. And they would ask my mom, be like, she's not sharing. She's still ice cream. She's like, well, you guys had ice cream and you chose to eat yours really fast. And then sometimes it was sad because I think they would eat it too fast. And then like, maybe it'd fall on the ground, you know? Oh, Oops. What? <laughs> Wait, so here's the thing. Um, how many times did you do this? So many times, Hamza. At some point, it's shame on them. Come I, on. I do kind of feel that way. Like, I mean, how old were they? Like four? We were little. <laughs> think if they're four then you can't shame on them they're too little I don't remember I should ask but I mean I think I did it for years do you know yeah, what I mean like and I'm like, like eight years old like shame on them yes yes sorry buddy <laughs> I should ask Jose because he has a better memory of like the trauma yeah. I caused <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 you know I just um I met my coworker. I've met my coworker's family before but they met my brother for the first time and my brother was talking about when we were little and everybody freaking loves my brother. He's like such a I delight. love your brother. I've only met him like twice, but I love him. He's very charming. But so are you, Hamza. So come on. Yeah, but he's like really <laughs> the best. I love your brothers too. I was going to say like, we both have good brothers. Um, we do. We do. Yeah. Um, But what was I saying? Oh, and my brother was like, oh, when like they, they asked, like, did you like, what did you get along when you were little? Yeah. And my brother was like, oh, we used to really fight. She like scratched up my face so many times. And I was like, why are you talking <laughs> <laughs> this is my coworker. Like I did scratch up his face. Oh, you did? you did? Yeah, he pushed me into a television. Like we were little kids, and we would like really fight when we were little. It happens all the time. I don't know why I become a child. Like when yeah. I'm interacting with my brothers, or like John did something to me. He's a grown up yeah. with three children and a wife, and he yeah. was messing with me, and I smacked him on the head. And I, then I had like, I apologized to his wife. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, that's yeah. not okay. I need to use my words, but he's my yeah. brother. <laughs> yeah. And he's so annoying. I was like, <laughs> so annoying. We're also like being adults all day. That's true. It's so much work. What do you think about being an adult? The scam. 
Say more, please. Yeah, just like, <laughs> no. I feel this way about a lot of things where it's just, yeah. you think this is a thing you want and you <laughs> achieve it. And then it's just more work. Wait, did you want to be an adult? Actually, well, yeah. When you're little, you do, right? Because you're like, I'm going to eat all the candy. My mom's yeah, not going to say nothing to me. I'm going to do what I'm I want. I'm going to make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live in my own house. I don't live in an apartment. <laughs> I'm going to live in my own apartment. I'm going to do- get dogs, my own dogs. Yeah. And um, and here I am. And it is great. Like having my dogs is great. Like I, my partner is great. But yeah. like, it's like annoying also to have bills and like. So annoying. So annoying and having to like be responsible to other people. I just don't like it. Do you have to get that? You can get that. No, no, no. Sorry. I'm going to text Alex. Um, it's my nephew. I think it's my nephew FaceTiming. Oh, FaceTime Allie. How old is he? He's, um, he's two and he calls Alex uncle Al and he loves him so much. It's so sweet. I get a little jealous because I'm (laughs) That love is so deep, but I know I'll make like when he's a bit older and like ready to play, I'm come back. I'm so much better at that. <laughs> it's interesting. My kids are very much like into uncles too. Yeah. They just like feel like they can rough house with them. And then, um, they we have some to... really fun uncles. They do. And I mean, I think I've adopted the same approach you do about like cousins, like everyone's an yeah. uncle, like your auntie, yeah, Tammy, yeah. you know, and then yeah. they have so many so many uncles from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went to a baby shower like two weekends ago for my friend, Matt and Leilani. Yeah. Um, and Leilani's beautiful. <laughs> She's just like a beautiful person yeah. and looked even more gorgeous with like her bump. And then she put this yeah. like eyeshadow that was like glitter and stuff on her eyes. And Leo got really shy. And so like he said, hi to Matt, but not to Leilani. Yeah. And we talked about it. I was like, did you think Leilani was pretty? Like, is that why you, and he was like, mm-hmm. he was like, I get shy around women. I was like, oh, <laughs> and he was like, because women are beautiful. <laughs> oh, buddy. So I was like, oh, so sometimes it's the rough housing with the uncles that they like, but sometimes I think for him, he's just like, women are so beautiful. <laughs> you want to know something, Leo, tell Leo, yeah. I still get shy around people who are, I think are really good looking, like any gender, like I don't know why, like, I'm not like necessarily attracted to them, but I'm just like, they're so good looking. Why would they want to talk to me? And they can tell that I feel weird. It's not even think they're more interesting than me or anything. I'm just like, I'm going to blush when I talk to them. And like, I don't know how to interact with them. Overwhelmed by how good looking they are. I'm laughing and also giving you the stank eye because like, literally like you're not gonna like when I say this you're not gonna like it I know but everyone thought you're so beautiful in law school so beautiful so so beautiful you're so sweet but I'm not I'm not I promise say again I really didn't feel that way like I I understand I I felt like I was tricking people all the time I always felt like I wasn't actually like naturally pretty I was just like had I was like I'm almost in my, I don't know, what was I, mid-20s? Like, I know how to dress my body, and I know what makes my hair look nice, and I know how to wear makeup. You know, in the last few years, I still feel like I'm dressing my body to hide parts of my body I don't like, but I'm also, intellectually, I understand that, like, this is all a scam to make me feel inadequate and spend my money and time on things that don't matter. 
And I didn't have that understanding back then. So do you do it because you want to now? Like still wear clothes that don't emphasize my hips because I don't like them. Even though I feel like that's gross and like, I don't want to participate in that, but it just, you know, like pretty privilege is a real thing. And it, I, I don't feel like I have pretty privilege, but just like, tell me about pretty privilege. You know how like white privilege, like people say, like you navigate life differently if you're white versus like anybody else. And if you navigate the world differently, if you're pretty, like it's easier, like interviews, all of that. It's like, like, why do I wear makeup to an interview? Why do I do my hair a certain way? Cause I want you to like me. And maybe you'll like me if you think I'm pretty or, or not even like you think I'm pretty, but like, I just like fit in, in a way. And it's a non-issue. I want my life to be easier and like people like me. And I think some part of people liking me has to do with the way I look like it. I know that's not like, there's more to me than that. And that's not why people like me, but it's still wrapped up in my, how I think people perceive me. And I don't want people to, you know, I don't want people to think I'm fat, even though I don't associate value with that, you know, trying to unlearn that from myself, but I'm still afraid of that. Yeah. And, you know, it feels like a hypocrite sometimes when you're like, I'm trying to dress my body to look smaller, but I think it's a scam that that we believe that and that we're told that every day that being smaller is better and that's like morally superior and and that's valuable. And, and if, when I dress that way to be smaller, I'm like, like kind of playing a role and like continuing to perpetuate that unfairness that like, you know, like harms people and harms people I care about, you know, it harms Alex, like who navigates the world as a fat person. Like, I, I don't want to be part of that, but I'm a part of that every day. That's, that's really hard though, right? Yeah. To your point of like the, trying to unlearn the way that we've been trained and that we've also trained ourselves. You yeah. said something that was, you said morally superior. Yeah. It's true. Like oh. I totally see that. I see that if you're, you're fit, therefore you're healthy, therefore you're yeah. going through the life in a superior way. I didn't realize how like me not dealing with my fat phobia, um, meant that I was like kind of contributing to like other people's suffering. Like, even if I wasn't saying like, don't stop eating cheeseburgers. Um, if I was like, you look so good, you've lost weight, you know, like even the nice things I was saying were harmful. And I didn't understand that. And like learned a lot. I feel like in the last few years, that makes me feel cringy at like the stuff I used to do and still do. Right. Like, constant unlearning and trying not to be a gross person. When I was growing up, and I I was going to ask you like if your upbringing had anything to do with that. Like when I was growing up, I had this experience when I went to Mexico to see my dad's older brother who I hadn't seen in years. And he, my dad's dad died when he was 18. So this older brother was like his dad essentially. And so we respected him a lot. And we all got dressed up to go see him because we hadn't seen him forever. And I gave him a hug. I tell him nice to see him. And the first thing out of his mouth says, she still has a little bit to go. And everyone was confused, but I wasn't. I was like, this effing guy is talking about my weight. I was like, oh my, I was like, oh my God. I think by that point I had graduated college or was about to, like I was, you know, I was doing big things like that the family was like proud of. And that was like the first thing. And my dad was like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? He's like, 
wait, she still needs to lose some weight. She's looking good, but she still has weight to lose. And I just turned like red and I looked at the ground and my mom and my dad said nothing and just moved on. As soon as we got in the car, like I started crying, just like, you know, like silent tears. I'm getting emotional now. And my dad and my mom were like, he shouldn't have said that. That was not okay. But it was one of those moments where like, oh my God, this is the first time I've cried in the podcast. Oh, I'm so sorry. I had these like conflicting feelings of like, God, like I am not just my size. I am other things. And, you know, like I didn't say anything to him. And then my dad felt bad that he didn't speak up for me, but it's because it's like his dad, you know, Uh, so many sad feelings. And we were all like, I was just like crying in the car and I was like, Oh, why are people like this? (laughs) You know, but it's also like, cause we, cause it's so normal that we don't have tools. Like I've never practiced what to say. And I've caught been caught flat foot so many times where like someone says something and I'm like this, like, I don't know what to do because I'm people pleaser. I don't want to rock the boat, but like you literally harmed this person right in front of me. And I don't know how to say it. And it, I think like, it doesn't even have to be like, how dare you? Like, you shouldn't say that. It could be something so small, like, oh, like, I don't think her size is really relevant but I, I'm just not used to that. And I, ha- I feel like I have to practice it. It's so hard to know how to react in those situations when yeah. you would never do something like that. Right. Well, not Hopefully. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm like, Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to like, so I was wondering, you know, weight's always been a big deal in my family. Do you think that the fat phobia piece is part of the culture? Like, is it something that Lovely. you had to deal with? It is, but it's also more pervasive than that, right? Like it's everywhere around it us. It is. Definitely grew up with that too, because that because there's a lot of diabetes in South Asia. Oh. So Sri Lankan people, like a lot, I know a lot of people with diabetes. A lot of my ancestors, a lot of my relatives have diabetes, and it's always this idea that, um, like, not only do you not want to be fat because you want to be pretty, but also like, oh, the diabetes is going to get you. If you don't take care of yourself and or fear, and like fear, fear. Yeah. And demonizing white rice, like, oh, white rice is so bad for you. If you eat all this white rice, it's like going to cause diabetes. And it's like, that's the food. That's Staple. like our food. <laughs> we eat white rice. I'm like obsessed with white rice. What are you talking about? My friend, Andrew, um, you know, Andrew, he's Filipino. He's yes. obsessed with white rice. And like, ever since he's like, we started, I became his friend. I'm like, actually, yeah, this is an underrated food. It's so good. You're so right though. Cause I grew up and my mom would be like, Oh, you're a little fatter now. Like when I came home from school and it was, I have to tell you, like, it doesn't feel mean to me when she says that to me. Aww. Like it does, it does make me feel like insecure about my body. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I wouldn't say like, it has not harmed me, but like when she says people are fat or thin, it doesn't have like that moral weight. Yeah. It's just an observation. Just an observation. And also she thinks fat people are hot all the time. Like, it doesn't mean you're ugly. You know what I mean? Like, there's this actress whose name I can't remember. And she, when I was a kid, she would always be like, you look just like this actress. And I'd be like, I don't think so. And she's like, but her thighs are like your thighs. And I was like, oh, you mean big? Like, (laughs) she has really big thighs. And she thought she was so beautiful. So, like, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like, oh, like, being fat is necessarily ugly or unattractive from my mom. I got that from the rest of society. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> screw you devil society <laughs> yeah devil society english speakers this I was great <laughs> thank you so much what are you gonna do for valentine's day 
Um, hanging out with my family. We have no plans. Are you going to eat any sugar? Any sugar? Yeah, we should, right? Can I tell you, Sylvia, I'm yeah. such a gross kid. I yeah. just like eat, like I'm obsessed with, I think it's an ADHD thing where you just like eat the same food over and over again. Frozen peaches, frozen strawberries, nut butter, chocolate chips. She makes it all together. I call it chocolate soup. It does not look like soup. It is my favorite food. I'm definitely going to eat that. <laughs> you sent me a picture. Yes, it's disgusting. <laughs> it looks disgusting. It's just like in the microwave. Oh, wait, like, was there a base or is the base chocolate? The base is, I guess, the nut butter and the chocolate chips like melted oh, into a sauce. And then like the delicious. Fruit. It's so good. It's, I think it should be on menus. Someone would charge like $12 for that. Just so you chocolate know, in San Francisco. Nobody else likes it though. Cause I've made it many times and people are like, mm, I don't know. That doesn't look good. They're wrong. I want to try it next time we're in town together. I want to try. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to the one of a kind podcast. This show was edited by my brother from the very same mother, Jose Duran. We have more episodes on the way, so please check us out wherever you get your podcasts.